So with that in mind, with the success of protecting the gate, driving off the creature, um, also learning a little bit more about the Arconic Storm that was getting more powerful with the near breach of the Obsidian Gates, the eventual defeat and the subsequent spying on Mason, he is in the lava fields, this much we know. He also seems to be using powers of his own because the one thing as Xanath drew back from her scry effect was that on a small flattened stone in front of him, he was using his artificial eye, his eye that he normally keeps kind of receded into his goggle-like apparatus as a means to kind of like control the scry effect. We also picked up that uh, rebirth stone off the wall. Yep. Out of the and with these, Yeah, with the success of the defense of the Obsidian Gate, the realization that something of godlike existence noticed the struggle, and in an effort to reward this struggle, had gifted the rebirth stone. A small stone that seems to have either divine implications or divine ability. A part we don't know for sure yet. And who's in possession of that stone? Who grabbed that? Uh, Earthen did. Earthen currently has possession of that stone. Yep. The team then traveled back down to the fishing village to take their rest. So everyone go ahead and click off a long rest. Mm. As you wake up on day seven, of being on the island of Gnomework. What would you guys like to do? I think we're getting ready to head into the lava fields, right? Or we're, we're heading to get the clutch. Yeah. Uh, when we took the, when I took the stone, I had the vision of the dragon with the uh, pendant. Uh, couldn't tell what kind of dragon it was. Couldn't tell much about it other than it was a dragon. Uh, and it had some kind of chain on its neck that had a spot for this stone. Um, not that I want to necessarily give him this stone, but that was the dragon that we believed was guarding or guarding the clutch. Yeah. I wonder how far a trip it is to like how many days trip it is to get there. Maybe we need to talk to uh, Korgoth or, yeah. or one of his scouts. I was going to say Scolari. Okay, good luck talking to her. Yeah. I mean, you, of all people, you probably could talk to her if that whole divinity thing is, is a real thing. Um <laughs> But uh, you can speak I, with dead without a body. Well, not, I mean, not even speaking with dead. They they insisted she wasn't dead, right? Or she's not dying. Well, there's also Trolith. The yeah, I was. That's who I was getting. There's also Trolith as well. Yeah, he was the scout that we uh, relied on before. He may have better knowledge. Um. Yeah. So I'll look for Trolith. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, I guess Trollith has to want to be found because he's a pretty good uh, scout. But I mean, looking around, 
give me just give me a general investigation check as you are waking up within the fishing portion of the village, the village that resides closest to the river. Um, I mean, eventually you kind of all wake up realizing that the majority of the lizard folk had kind of returned to their cliffside dwelling. But you can just give me a general investigation. You kind of look around to see where everybody is. Where are all the different... Where's the priestess and where's Korgoth and where's the others that might be available for conversation? There's a 13. Okay. To your right, coming out of one of the nearby um, huts, you could see Winter and Puck kind of coming um, towards the center of the village. Eventually, you could see where Spot and Xanath are coming. And you guys all kind of meet in the center. And that's when you kind of all look in the direction of the cliff, cliff dwellers. And they have all come down. You can see the ladders descending down from the edges of their cliffside dwellings. It seems as if the entire population of the cliffside has emptied out. Um, currently, no sign of the rock. Um, eventually, as you kind of just wait there for a moment, Korgoth and two of his other kind of like uh, lizard folk warrior, um, the three of them kind of like approach you. One of them um, is the priestess that you would know as um, oh, I got not Scolari, because Scolari... No, yep. Scolari would be the priestess. Um, I thought Scolari was the daughter. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, Vishari. Yeah, Vishari, yeah. Vishari's yeah. the Vishari. priestess. So Vishari yep. and Trelith, uh are currently flanking Korgoth as the three of them walk towards you. The remaining hundred or so lizard folk seem to be carrying great burdens of supplies, almost as if they plan to travel. And in some sort, in, in some way, they're already beginning to travel down towards the river. And that's where you could see some of the kind of recovered, as well as their own um, uh, river boats are being boarded by them. Korgoth kind of comes over. We are going to begin to find as many of our folk as we can, restore the villages, um, ready ourselves to assault the mines, and get our eggs back. What is it that you and your friends plan to do? Korgoth, how far away uh, are these mines? Well, we can travel by river and reach nearby within two to three days. Then we disembark and we would make ourselves across the great outer jungle region towards where they dig near the roots of the mountain range. My people cannot travel well through the lava fields. We must come at them from the wilds. It is better for us that way. And if we have any luck of the gods on our side, <coughs> hopefully our caretaker, our great guardian, will travel with us as well. And he kind of looks up towards the roost of the egg chamber. He has not emerged yet this morning. He prefers to travel at night. So whether or not he travels with us, we may not know till the end of the first day of our journey. 
<laughs> but our first task is to rescue as many as we can from the remnants of... You know, when you have your notes open, then you forget to close them. <laughs> just, it's just one of those silly, silly things that I do from time to time. Uh, where did I put you? That's risk. Thank you. As we uh, go to free the rest of our people that may have been imprisoned by Vassarisk, or at the very least, check on the many villages that him and his have destroyed, possibly driving more deep into the jungles. I feel like the more we can recover, the greater our chances at sailing the mines and freeing and destroying those that keep our clutch at bay. Um, are the, the uh, are there any of the boats that they were going to be taken by or the uh, river? Are any of them visible to me? I mean, from where you guys are standing, you're relatively close to the riverbank. <clears throat> the riverbank is still choked with a lot of debris from the previous flotilla that you had let you know kind of help destroy during the ambush. Um, but during the brief amount of time, Korgoth's people were able to salvage some of the equipment, material, and kind of like with some of the survivors that had fallen, uh, that were no longer under the sway of Asterisk, kind of helped as well. Um, this provided an opportunity for them to um, put together at least 10 of the riverboats. They seem to be occupying at least seven of them, which would give them roughly 10 to 12 individuals per boat. And so while um, Vasari... Um, Korgoth and Trenolith are kind of like standing there in conversation with the five of you. The rest of the, the lizard folk are taking all their gear, their equipment, their weaponry, um, foodstuffs, everything they can muster over to the riverboats as they're beginning to start their potential journey of recovering survivors, freeing the other villages, and then eventually making their way up towards the north. Um, of the mountain to uh, do what Korgoth is described as liberating the mines. Korgoth. Um, yes. Once via scrying and the other when I touched this stone, mm. we th we've had visions of a dragon guarding your clutch. Do you I know of any dragons? I had mentioned this once before. An unknown creature. Describe for me what you saw around its neck, if you would. It was a dragon with a great chain around its neck, and at the end of the chain was a place, a pendant, with a missing stone. Then the missing stone matched the shape of this stone here. Ah, the stone that appeared for you last evening during the sealing of the gate. Yes. Uh, I, I, I tried to identify it. All I could tell was it was the stone of rebirth. My understanding. This is the stone of the Fae. This is a stone that, that gives things that are dead life. If this stone has been gifted to you and the others, Perhaps it's within anticipation of whatever this dragon-like creature is that you're meant 
to deal with. Is it possible that the dragon itself could be undead? And that might be why they gifted you this stone. I, I tried to get a vision of the dragon and I, I, I couldn't see. I couldn't see it. You couldn't see it or you were unable to see it. I could tell it was a dragon, but I couldn't, I couldn't identify it in any way. Hmm. So there's a power that shelters it from your magic. Well, this wasn't my magic. This was the stone. This was, this was a vision of the stone. Ah, but if truth is in legend, and if the Shadow Gods does exist down below the Great Zahir, if this is truly his prison, that some semblance of his divinity still could be here as well. Although we prevented him from escaping through the Obsidian Gateway, his influence still continues. Perhaps the creature that guards over our clutch is somehow linked to his existence or is influenced by his existence. So you're saying something akin to that that dragon turtle we we encountered being related to Cord. That this dragon may in some way be tied to the shadow. The gods always say to bring their titans in and out of their purview of use. Sometimes these creatures are used to enforce their will. Sometimes these creatures are used to remake the world to increase their patrons and to increase those that may offer up their beliefs in them. Gods are not powerful by their own standard. Gods are powerful because people believe in them whether you're a prime deity of the Celestial Gate or one of the many betrayer gods, it's our faith that brings their power into existence. We can assume that maybe those seeking to disrupt our imprisonment of this god, maybe they too, through their own belief, are doing their own kind of faithful existence as well. Hmm. Well, you mentioned that it would be difficult for your, for your party to travel across the lava fields, but a small group of, of adventurers, a small group on a, on a dedicated task, would that be more feasible? One that's also not affected as badly by dry condition as uh, perhaps a lizard folk hey, may be. I think it really depends on what you think you can accomplish by going over the lava fields. It is a territory we are completely unfamiliar with. We don't travel where it's dry and potentially scalding at the same time. The lava flows and the volcanic eruptions that can happen within the great circle. 
These are not things that we predict. We view these things as evil signs. This is why we keep the gate sealed, not allowing Zaheer out of his imprisonment. We've accomplished that part of the task. The only thing left to accomplish is the retrieval of our clutch to get rid of or destroy those that are seeking to undermine our ability to protect the gateway and return to our normal lives. But you surely must understand that those who would know of the Obsidian Gate must also know if they had any communication with Vassarisk, the significance of the clutch that they hold. I am not entirely sure that Vaskarisk's goals and their intentions are in alignment. Just because Vaskarisk decided to fall prey to the evil whispers of Zaire does not necessarily mean that was his original journey that he was on. Do I believe his mind was weakened by his own greed and anger? Perhaps. I think this creature under the mountain influences things in different ways. Our faith protected us from it. It brought us the five of you. It brought us closure to our great ceremony. The only remaining challenge the gods have for us is the return of our clutch and the return of our continuous protection of the obsidian gate. Xanath, is your headphone dying on you? <laughs> I think her headphones are dying. Here, yeah. um, <laughs> are your headphones dying, Xanath? They have started doing a thing where they just like scream in my ears so loud. I don't know really? what is going awesome. on. They're that like, is, that can't get. Do you have another set of headphones you want to swap out for? You know, it is only happening usually occasionally, so I'm hoping it won't happen again. But if it does, I might have to switch to check, some wireless headphones. Do you have? Do they plug into your headset or into the computer? They're How plugging. Many, they're plug. There's a wire connecting my headset at the computer right now. Right, but is there a separate plug at your headset? Because like mine has a separate plug I can unplug and plug in directly into my headset. Yeah, I mean that's that's what this one is here. Okay, unplug yeah. that one and plug it back in, and then twist it and see if it screeches on you. Sometimes okay. that's where the shorts kind of start happening. How's that sound? Well, it's not screaming right now, so we'll we'll see. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they get a little short up in that in that plug, and sometimes it's either a bad coaxial plug that you're using, or unfortunately, sometimes the little seat that it goes into gets loose, <laughs> and there's a little wire that connects it on the inside that can cause it to short out. So, let us know if it starts screaming at you again. All right. So I'm going to turn back to the group and just kind of, so, so we know Mason's in the lava fields. Um, I, it seems the lava fields would be the shortest, most direct path where we're trying to go, but we don't know what's there. I'm going to kind of glance at the river, glance back at earth and, and then just kind of Sir blankly, you know, just roughly like <laughs> up at the sky and just mumble, 
It's like, God damn it, Time Lord, you fucking know me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it keeps us off the water, right? Cats don't like water. Yeah, I know. Uh, all right, fine, fine. The other possible consideration here, we have not heard anything from SIBO or Caliban in a couple of days. I think Caliban had wanted us to find out what this item is that everyone has been mining for. And if the lizard folk are sort of prioritizing recovering the clutch, we could turn to something else. Well, we did find the residuum. They were they were mining for residuum here. I don't know that that's necessarily what they're looking for at the mountain. Mm -hmm. um, Hmm. I'm going to look back at the map. Because I believe that I did pin that one, didn't I? Uh, I know you sent it in the chat. I don't know if it's pinned. Oh, here it is. It's from March 5th. Now, let me pin that thing because I might have forgotten to pin it. Yep. Wow, that goes way back, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we are a bunch of chatty Cathy's. <laughs> <laughs> and the gate was uh, near the Titan's Reach, right? The the Obsidian Gate. Yeah, so it was broken up into Titan's Reach, which is closest to the Obsidian Gate. Um, there was the Misty Veil that makes up the expansion of the gap between the lava fields. Um, the Ember Fields, for the most part, makes up the main lava field. There are the shadow peaks that sit off beyond the volcano, um, and then there's the Lava Worms Reach, which is the main embodiment of the, of the volcano. And that was the one we were told to stay away from. <laughs> well, it was in, I mean, our, it was in our notes. It was like uh, in, uh, in uh, something... It was uh, the one that definitely okay, right. offered up um, the main warning, for sure. Yeah, it was the one that definitely said, don't go there. <laughs> and where are the mines on this map? Do we the know? mines would be in the area of the Ember Fields. Okay. So that it, It's a continuous mountain range. So what's called the Ember Fields, just shy of that beginning of the mountain range, is going to be where the mine pit is. Um, and that's where the other two had said that they were going to travel and possibly look into some of the activities that were going on there. So we could maybe try and go in by the Titan. If there was a way in, we could try and go in by the Titan's Ridge, reach through the Mist Vale and to the mines if they yes. wanted to go underground. Yeah. But we've also been told that there is no other way in, right? Well, you've been told that the Obsidian Gate is a magical barrier designed to keep whatever's in that volcano and the roots of the volcano in their prison. Mm -hmm. Now, the mining pit's been described as a place where they've been digging down into of hopes of finding some kind of underground entrance point into either the volcano or the general region of this whole underlay area. But you're not... You're still not entirely sure what they're up to there. That was one of the reasons why Sibo and the other had headed off to go do some more investigation 
because SIBO was given information uh, that that the um, the Dampier had found something worth investigating, but wasn't comfortable really saying anything to SIBO about it until SIBO saw it with her own eyes. Um, so as far as you're concerned, somewhere up north of that of, of the underlay in that region, those two are still scouting around, or SIBO's being brought to what um, um, what I name the what's her companion's name? Caliban. Caliban. Thank you. Yeah. I kept going to the other name, and I know that's not right. Um, and, uh, Zanth, could you could you reach out to SIBO? Yeah, I can try and and get an update on on what they're doing or what they've seen. Um, why don't I try and cast sending to? Uh, sorry, so good for the spell. Why don't I try and cast sending to uh, to Sibo and say, um, "Oh man, what does she know? She doesn't really know any of this." Um, <laughs> well, she knew we were. She knew we were going to the ceremony, the lizard folk. We were reaching out the lizard folk for sure. Well, she knew, she knew that you were going to travel to Sawtooth Village. Yeah. Um, and and somehow, you know, be involved with that situation. But she's not I don't exactly think she knew about the gate to, stuff. Yeah, she doesn't yeah. know about Zaheer or anything. She knew we were she knew we were tracking down the the, the Sawtooth clan, mm -hmm. but I think that's it. It's just we were tracking down Sawtooth to find out stuff. Okay. Right. Uh, okay, I'll say Sibo um, uh, reached Sawtooth Village, sealed Zaheer, in case she knows what that is. Nope, those, those aren't words. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, where yes. are you? What is your update? What have you seen? Are you safe? A few seconds goes by. Um, we are in the fields. Uh, we have managed to make it over the main ridge, and we are on our way to Shadow Peak. You're currently fine. My companion has concerns. And then, like, her voice stops after the 25th word of expressing all that detail. They're in the fields. They're on their way to Shadow Peak. It sounds like they have not reached their destination. She provided no details about, again, about what it is they're traveling to see. Hmm. It sounds like they're fine and they're not asking for help. But we still don't know what they're looking at. We know Mason and the other two are in the lava fields. She's in the lava fields too. Then, if she's headed, if they're headed towards the Shadow Peak. Well, Shadow Peak is Ember Fields or Lava Fields, right? That's three. or Lava Fields. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, so they're headed towards Mason is headed towards three, and Sibo and Caliban are over at four. Or headed towards four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you get the feeling that uh, Mason is somewhere in between two and three. Okay. Uh, which would give you the feeling that he's either traveling towards the main volcano, where the lava worm reach is, 
Or he could potentially be heading over to the Shadow Peaks as well. So both those locations could be possible. I wish that giant stupid bird was around. It'd make it a lot easier to get around here. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna activate my ring uh, and just go straight up in the air and try to get uh, a layout of you know we've got one option to kind of go river direction and we've got an option to kind of go mountainside uh, and I want to just I mean if I have to go really high up in the air I just want to go up to just to get like an overview of which one looks uh, knowing the knowing the general layout of the the mountain area which one looks like or what the what the what the paths look like I guess maybe right right yeah. gotcha and before hitting like that ceiling of where the horizon kind of is overtaken by haze and cloud cover right there's a mm -hmm. there's only so much visibility you can kind of get from depending mm -hmm. on how high yeah. I go uh, give me survival with advantage okay that is 20 dirty 20 okay while earthen is doing this what's everybody else doing I got nothing right now. I'm just going to kind of uh, hang around and see if there's anything that interests my little kitty brain. Okay. Uh, I'll do an investigation to see if there's anything that I might be able to help out with in the camp real fast. Sure. Give me investigation or perception. Okay. Well, I got a 15 on investigation. Okay. Xanath or Winter, anything you two would like to do while Earthen's going to take a few moments here to try to get a better understanding of possible directions to travel? Can I see if my bow knows anything? I totally forgot about that bow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you take a few minutes to kind of commune with it and kind of um, take a moment to like telepathically kind of reach out to it and see if it offers up any kind of understanding. Um, give me persuasion as you kind of like get in tune with it. That was a cool fight, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's a 14. 14? Okay. Uh, Puck is currently helping the last of the lizard folk kind of load their equipment and, and other items onto their riverboats. Is that anything you want to do while Earthen is kind of trying to get a better understanding of possible routes to take? Um... Maybe I'll try and this is a this is a little bit random, but I would kind of like to try to uh, scry on the pre the priest of Helm that I spoke to, who told me that the high priestess was dead. I'd kind of like to scry on that priest and see what's happening up above. Oh, yeah, that is a little bit uh, out of left field. I love it. So you're gonna take a moment to set up a scry on that particular target. Do you remember the priest's name? Uh, 
Not off the top of my head. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Prefect was Hilda Narey Aldead. Yep. I remember it was at the end of the session. Well, we played a lot of games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, yeah, I was funny. Because there was winter had met Azarine at the lecture hall. There's mm -hmm. the Heaven's Ward and the Helm's Chapel. Um, oh, you're talking about that guy. I didn't go back far enough. I was looking. Okay. <laughs> Who was it? Oh, I, I, I wasn't going back. I'm going farther back now. I wasn't that far back yet in my notes. Gotcha. I was thinking we said his name uh, whenever she found because you it was uh, your commune where you found out the priestess was dead or the high, the prefect was dead. So I found right. out the priestess was dead, and then like I think like the next day. Oh no! I yeah. So I I found out that there was something weird going on with the Temple of Helm. Then I tried to speak to the priestess. She didn't respond. So then I tried to talk to this guy. Well, I can hunt through my notes while people are doing other stuff if, if that's easier. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's taking me a long time to find. No, 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 that's fine. Um, so we'll say that for the most part, you you remember them, um, and you begin to kind of settle into your ceremonial activity of kind of reaching into the um, into the Helm's Ward. Um, and beginning to focus in and look for the individual that um, he was the one, if I'm remembering correctly, he was the one that um, that you met initially going to the ward. Yeah, she was right. Magdalene. Her name was Magdalene. I think I'm. I just uh, looked at the spot and I don't have his Defoe, name. Okay. What's his name? Defoe, 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 something. Crap! I can't read my handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like D E F O N or D E F O R something like that. Devon. Well, Devon is what's his face. The Correct. bad guy. Yeah. So Magdalene is, is the um, um, Magdalene Hild Nare Aldid is the high prefect. Yes. Um, and this guy was Defoe, De, something like that. Yeah, um, um, so the guy that you guys <laughs> met up with who went to um, show Puck down into the lower ward as well as lead you over to the cloistered area where Magdalene was, um, uh, that was Druon. D-R-O-U-I-O-N, Druon. And that was the one that you ended up having the conversation with Zeta to tell you that she, the priestess, had been... Um, Killed. 
mm-hmm. but didn't really have any de- details. He didn't really provide any details. Mm-hmm. So with that, Spot, you are out looking about trying to see if there's anything that you could do to help or assist or to gain some additional information through your normal kind of tabaxi curiosity. Uh-huh. This has most, never failed me. Yeah. For the most yeah. part, um, I would say you come across one of the lizard folk um, that goes by the name of Quinneth. He is currently, like, helping the lizard folk kind of take their equipment over to the riverboats. Sees you standing there. Uh, you look as if you don't know what to do next, Tabaxi. Yeah, um, I'm a little lost, not going to lie. Um, this is kind of anticlimactic. I just murdered, you know, a, uh, a zombie dragon thing like, I don't know, 12 hours-ish ago. And now um, I'm feeling a bit, uh, a bit out of place. Uh, do you, can, I, can I help you guys with anything? I'm a very good cook. Ah, well, we are already in the process of loading our food stores and other things onto the riverboats. Uh, you're more than welcome to help us continue this endeavor. I'm just going to kind of look at the, uh, the supplies that I have, and I'm just going to be like, meh, okay, yeah, past time. Just go over and, uh, like, start uh, manhandling bales, like, kicking rid of the boats. Like, Are you, you guys ever see- Go ahead. You guys ever seen um, Shelvin Soccer? Like that yes. scene at the very end when everyone knows Kung Fu and the lady just like drop kicks a car uh, into a parallel parking space. <laughs> now you're digging in some pop culture there, buddy. <laughs> I needed an example. Winter, as you, cart, yeah. <laughs> Winter, as you begin to commune with the bow, the familiar kind of male voice that you've encountered with before that gave you the understanding that the bow was retrieved from the island of Bawali and that it is linked to some creator of this artifact. And you just hear its kind of voice kind of chime into your head. I'm not entirely sure how to help you, but I can try. What is your question? I wrote down my question and I can't even read my handwriting. <laughs> ah, that's great. <laughs> Welcome um, to D and D. Yeah. <laughs> Google so Docs, bro. <laughs> I guess. I try question. that for like. Go ahead. Um, I can't even read. I'm not even gonna try. Um, I guess my question would be, what? Man, I'm so upset. Uh, <laughs> does he know something about the the gemstones that we encountered? I was wondering about them last session. You kind of describe for the voice, like mentally. You try to give it a mental picture, and you organize the detail of those stones that were growing with power as the storm grew with power. Um, and the voice, well, if my own understanding of arcane and the way power could be absorbed, it sounds like what you're describing is transitional energy. Sometimes great 
objects of great power require the consumption and absorption of magical energy and power to kind of like activate its ability to do. It sounds like perhaps this creature that was trying to prevent the sealing of the gate was also trying to accomplish something else at the same time. Perhaps use the magical nature of the gateway to bring them from their existence. This shadow dragon that you described for me. It could be because it was trapped on the ethereal plane. It was actually trying to use the ceremony of the obsidian gate to cross over from its ethereal existence and anchor itself in the material plane. And it also sounds like that storm that was picking up in energy as well may have been trying to block the effect. It feels like you have many stories going on here at the same time. I don't know why I was on that one. <laughs> yeah, we had a battle. There was a dragon. I forgot he's like literally there with me, so I don't need to like recap it. Well, okay. I'm not actually there with you. I mean, so here's the thing about sentient items. Uh, while I am what I am within the bow, I can, uh, you know, I can uh, keep my past as well, but. I'm also self-aware of the fact that I'm not a real person anymore. I'm a, I'm a consciousness of both a period that's gone by and that I understand that my arcane existence has more to do with the fact that the bow has been found by someone who has a lineage attached to the arcane. I think if you were anything else but an Elendril, I don't know if I'd be able to communicate. Maybe that's our connection. Maybe our connection is yours, as magical as this thing that I've become. I've been imbued into this thing as a way to protect my arcane history and my understanding of my, my own history of the past. I feel like you are meant to find me, but I don't understand what it means yet. I don't understand why I have a sense of consciousness, but I don't really feel like I have a sense of identity, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, good. I'm glad it does to somebody, because it doesn't really make sense to me. <laughs> are, are you able to remember what type of species you were before you were put in the bow? I think I was elven. I think the people of Alexandria would call me a wood elf of sorts. I know that me and my people existed in the jungles of Bawali, and we had migrated there some many years ago. We settled there. We were able to avoid the politics of the Concordia and, more importantly, keep ourselves away from those of the, of the coast. We found a kind of peaceful existence there ever since a particular group of individuals had done away with the threat of those that used to once reside on the island. When the great shadow there was taken away from the volcanic island as well, and those of 
those people that lived there were under the duress and misguidings of this particular creature afforded us an opportunity of safety. And here we were led by a famous Ashari who eventually at some point had to leave the island, but she was with us for a time. Um, and then after that, my I get the feeling that I was involved in a ceremony of protection, I was imbued into this bow. And then after this bow, I sometimes exist and I sometimes don't. It's hard to know for sure what I am and what I do. Wait, so do you talk to everyone who owns the bow? Or do you no. just Sometimes I'm not even aware that I am in possession. I think the only reason I find myself in commune with you is once again, your sylvan heritage, your elven heritage of being Elendril, which I find interesting that awakens my spirit, my existence. What do you know of your past? What do you know of where you come from? Not very. <laughs> I'm just imagining that, like, as Xanath is like preparing her scry spell, there's just Winter sitting there, like crisscross applesauce with a bow in her lap, and she's got this like in like in depth kind of like deep kind of thinking, <laughs> you know, look on her face, and every now and then her mouth moves as if she's in conversation with something. I have a talking helmet, so this is totally normal to me. <laughs> it literally pings nothing for me. I'm like, yeah. It, it's like Zed like puts on her helmet. It's glad I'm glad to know I'm not the only crazy in town. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna fly away from the crazy. <laughs> I've got ADHD cat, befriend all monsters, gnome. <laughs> Whatever you're talking to, you and you guys talk to inanimate objects. So I'm just gonna peace and out. And they're the yeah, only and ones that haven't almost died twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it Eric who bought the bow for me though? Uh yeah. Yeah. He did. <laughs> I didn't know you gotta talk to it. <laughs> it's like as he's flying away, if I know you're gonna talk to that thing, I wouldn't have gotten it for you. Yeah. <laughs> Flies up into the air. Everybody around here, somebody to talk to, but damn bard, does anybody talk to you? <laughs> Meanwhile, Puck is like sitting in between lunch and punch, scritching their heads and talking to them both like they're, you know, cousins and uncles. She talks to fish too. Yeah, she talks to just about anything and, that's and not. Birds. Yeah. <laughs> huh? I don't know anything about my past except when I go in, a lot of time passes and then I come out and I can't remember where I go in because I don't know where in my notes that I put it. <laughs> I don't have my notes. Um, 
Does anybody know that place that I went into? And uh, every time I go in, like years pass. Yeah, the Feywild. Wild. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That word. So if you travel in and out of the Feywild from time to time, what convinces you to bring yourself here? Why here? Why do you traverse a place that is pure magic to come to such a place as Alexandria? It's like Ohio. This must be something that drives you here. <laughs> Yeah, the Ohio. Exactly. Everywhere else is magical. Why did you come to Ohio? <laughs> oh, poor Ohio. I'm actually moving back, though. <laughs> See? <laughs> um, I came for adventure outside of the Eldian world. Hmm. Interesting. And we'll say you and the boat kind of like um, settle into a conversation about magical existence in general. For the next few moments, few minutes, you kind of have a conversation that goes back and forth about the idea of magic existence, the imbuement of magic, why the Elendril are kind of a more unique elven existence, their obsession with magic craft and the creation of magical items and a kind of like kind of coexistence with the Fae and are kind of the natural guardians against the polar opposite of the Feywild, which is the Shadowfell. And the bow would eventually reveal to you that is kind of how his sentience came into existence. Is that at some point when he was imbued into this bow as an artifact relic, he was used or it was used on multiple occasions to defend against Shadowfell magic. Perhaps another reason it, it explains to you or talks to you about is maybe this ability for the two of you to talk to each other maybe has something to do with maybe some Shadowfell magic involvement. Maybe there's more going on here than just this idea of divinity. Maybe there are some arcane constructs and arcane kind of like spells and arcane magics in general that have brought some of these challenges into existence. Spot, since you spend most of your time helping the others ferry their items over to the different riverboats, it garners you a little bit of a reward. Uh -oh. um, one of the lizard folk gives you what's called a readiness pack. And it is filled with an assortment of items and foodstuffs that they harvest on a regular basis. All of which are ingredients and componentry that will allow you to continue your practiced art of cooking, as well as finally gain you the proficiency of cooking. Between what you've collected to this point, the practice that you've achieved, and now you have this pack of readiness, this satchel filled with these exotic foods and ingredients to help you kind of like put together exotic dishes and items as well, you are now at a tier of cooking that whenever you make your skill checks for cooking, you can now add your proficiency modifier. Okay. Ooh. He's going to be really good for Tatas now. Like, really, really good. <laughs> no well, yeah, because now what he does is he gains a new chart that I roll on, 
where originally as he's learning how to cook and whenever he cooks a good meal, it's just a temporary hit point attribute. Now there's one of 12 different possibilities, whether it's advantage, uh, temporary ability um, bonuses, temporary, like that is getting closer and closer to the idea of even maybe even getting to Hero's Feast at some point in the future. Oh, cool. Fire breath frittatas. Yeah. It, well, there's that too. You could also <laughs> potentially make, um, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, like infused with kind of like magics or advantages, foods that could not only bolster health, but give you secondary abilities to do certain kinds of attacks as well. And the this satchel of exotic ingredients kind of gives you that last bit of what you need to start being able to practice that with your new proficiency. So before we move on to Xanth's scry, Earthen, for the next 10, 15 minutes, you scale to a height and you move in such a way that it gives you a, a, a better vantage point of the area. The area that you, you're in is kind of like smashed up against the kind of... Um, it's kind of like smashed up against the southern part of the mountain range. You see the cliffside dwellings. You can see the roost. You see the jungle spread out below, and it clearly arcs out towards, you know, like the the southeasterly point or southeasterly point of the island until you lose the sight of it in the kind of like the green gray haze of looking off into the distance of a jungle kind of canopy, looking towards your left the north kind of like westerly vantage point, the continuation of the great ring of mountain ranges that just encircle. The biggest challenge you have is in the center of the ring of the mountain range, it's just ash, smoke, clouds, and soot. So the visibility within the center of this ring of like broken and jagged mountains is difficult to visually navigate because of the natural environment itself. And the way it's always under like a constant haze of ash and, and smoke from either the lava fields erupting from time to time, generating the ash upward, or the occasional partial activity of the center volcano itself, kind of like spewing out just enough ash to keep the, the this entire kind of like mountain range just kind of slightly, you know, under the cover of darkened ash and hue. From your perspective, the river runs completely southeast until you lose track of it, or it could, it looks like it runs northwest far up into the jungle canopy as well. Somewhere kind of like southwest, maybe two, three days from where you currently are, is where Gnomeworks is, where the city with all this different kind of wards and um, mm -hmm. great kind of like levels of existence near the harbor area are out there somewhere, but that's beyond your visual range at this point. The challenge you have, uh, go with what Korgoth said he's going to accomplish, it sounds like he's going to take the river to then get to a jump off point where he's going to try to recover any survivors from all the different villages that Vasterisk had um, either overtaken 
um, or had burnt to the ground and maybe driven off those that weren't going to join his forces. That could take some time. I'm not really sure how long it could take, but Korgoth seems very intent on reestablishing all the different communities that, that used to be able to protect this region of the island, prevent those from getting into where the Obsidian Gate is, as well as traverse into the main volcanic inland area, keeping this place secret and safe from interlopers, uh, from those that are possibly here for their own kind of malicious reasons. But to take the river north, you're probably looking at a lot of upriver movement, meaning on by river, it could be a little bit slower because you're going upstream. Um, the main central river itself runs from the north, southerly, southerly, uh, southerly west, and southerly east, where it branches off in the different kind of jungle regions. Uh, regions. So traveling upriver may be a challenge if you're on those flat boats, those river boats. Um, the jungle itself is dense, heavily canopied. You already know through your own familiarity as well as the others kind of traveling with you that the jungle could be difficult and dangerous to make your way through. Um, at this point, you're not entirely sure which, you know, how far it would take. Your best guess is by foot. You're looking at maybe, you know, three to four days to just get up to that northerly region where you believe Sibo um, um, had traveled towards. But also looking at the map of the um, the underlay, Sibo and Calabas has already traveled at least a day's worth of territory into the underlay itself, which is you know that great expanse that they're currently traveling across, and Mason and the others as well. Though you're not sure if they're going towards the Shadow Peaks or potentially going towards um, the Fireworm Lair, so you're not really sure which direction that is going um seeing everything laid out no direction feels obvious or easy they all seem equally difficult and potentially dangerous for the most part but shortest like most direct would still like mountain direction right the others seem to go around and then in but yeah most of the directions that feel typical or normal for you is either right skirting the edge of the mountain range or left skirting the end of the mountain range as well. Um, I mean, there is a possibility to go at the mountain range directly, try to scale its peaks and find a pathway or find an egress over the peaks to go down, you know, into the underlay itself. For the most part, all options seem probable, but the assumption is all options could be just as equally dangerous and time-consuming. And from this vantage point, you would also realize that Vassarisk's success was because he started upstream, used the natural flow of the stream and river to take over town to town to town after attacking Korgoth's uh, wife's um, hereditary village um, uh, Windrift and realizing that 
his very first target must have been the clutch of eggs. And then once he had that level of control, he just continued to travel the rivers down from village to village to village, uh, overwhelming them one by one and either forcing them to join his process or putting them to the sword or driving them off, depending on, you know, you don't know specifics, but, you know, he based his success primarily on the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I'm up there, I'm going to just kind of grab my uh, pendant and ponder before I come down just about the uh, more than near-death experience that last night was for me. Okay. Because it wasn't near. <laughs> it was very yeah, much that was, Yeah, that was the first time that Revivify <laughs> was It was a very, was very actually... brief death experience, but yeah. it was a death experience. Uh, and just thinking on that, and because uh, cl- holding the the uh, the pendant that's got the the picture of my wife and daughters. Did Earthen see Zahir while he was dead? Because that was before we had sealed him. Did he have an experience like Puck did? I mean. I don't know if he would have shared the experience he did have. Because I would say since he was recovered and has been up this morning, he hasn't really talked about it. Yeah. So, Zanath, as you begin to focus on the ceremony and getting the scry spell to initiate, you... Feel the spell come into existence. You're waiting for some familiarity, something. The scry spell fails because it cannot execute against something that is no longer there. Target has either been possibly killed or is not currently on this plane of existence. That's concerning. I'll say at some point as you come out of the scry effect, Spot eventually comes back to the village as the rest kind of like the riverboats are now setting loose as you guys say your goodbyes to Korgoth and the others. The main fishing village portion of the Sawtooth Valley and the cliffs are all empty now, devoid of any lizard folk. You're just watching... As the 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 riverboats are just gradually receding upstream until Earthen's the last one to kind of come into the center space of the fishing village. The four of you are gathered together, including Puck, who is kind of sitting lounging on the back of Punch. And you just hear her little voice squeak. So what are we doing now? Well, from my from the vantage point up there, the river's going to be rough. Uh, it, it's we're fighting the current all the way. Um, remember how easy it was to come down. Um, where we'll be fighting the river all the way up. Then there's the jungle, which you know is the jungle, 
and all the fun stuff that came with that. Um, and then, you know, there's the possibility of the mountain. Um, we could try to get into the mountain. I mean, from up there, it, it's very hazy looking into the, to the mountain range itself. It's hard to get a good vantage of, of what's actually in there. But the other two directions, the, the jungle and the river, all of those, we have to go around and then into everything. Um, uh, I, I don't I have an idea that might be stupid enough to work. Um, I need to go talk to some of the, uh, some of the lizard folk. I'm not going to Lizard folk are gone. Oh, damn. I missed my chance. <sighs> they, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't feel like we have the time to, to not try and take a stab at this, uh, into the mountains. I ha have a spell. I can't do it today, but I have a spell which would give me the straightest path to a destination. We could start heading up the mountain, and if it's more than a day's journey, I can use the spell tomorrow to, to take us. Where are we going? Are we going straight to the mines? Or are we trying to find Siba? I mean, they're all kind of in the general direction, right? Uh, we, we have to get in first, I think. Yeah. Get into the range, I should say. Into mm -hmm. the mountain range. Yeah. I mean, if we don't, we do not know where an entrance is to the mountain, right? So we would just need to sort of climb in that direction and see if we could find something. That's what I, that's what I gathered from what I could see. What do people think? So it's, it's river, mountain, or jungle? Uh, can I do a quick perception check and just see if I notice any, if I've seen any signs of big cats in the jungle, like jaguars or leopards or anything in the treetops? Oh, you don't even need to make a perception check with that. During your initial travels with Korgoth um, to, the, to the lineage caverns, as well as just normal travels to get this far, you've seen all sign of raptor, dinosaur, um, um, kind of like feline activity. These jungles are teeming with that expectation, for sure. I, I'm going to hold up a pod and be like, okay, keep talking. I'm going to do something really fucking stupid, but that tends to work out for me. Fuck like lifts her head again. <laughs> I never claimed to be a smart kitty. I'm going to sit <laughs> here and uh, use my newly uh says, I'm going to make essentially uh, irresistible jaguar bait. I'm going to see if I can attract us a jet is get us some kitty friends to act as an advance guard slash bodyguard for us. I'm a kitty. They're going to like me. I mean, at the mention of that, you now have Puck's attention. <laughs> and, you know, she's like sitting up on the back of, of Punch and looking at you. And she's got like one eyebrow out. Like she's kind of fascinated with this idea. Um, so go for stars. This will take you about 10, 15 minutes to kind of put this together. Uh, but go ahead and give me a intelligence check to assemble the ingredients. Okay. 
I'll give you guidance and you can add a D4 to that. Yeah. Intelligence. We're going to end up fighting a pack of wild cats. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of cats in our group. We might be okay. Yeah. It's just an intelligence check, huh? Where are you? And you can't, so you can get a D4 for guidance. And once again, you can add your proficiency modifier because you are now proficient in the making of food. Okay. Uh, give me one second on that because um, I'm not seeing intelligence as a, a spell so at all. It's, it's, so you know how you have your intelligence modifier, right? Yeah, you yeah. just click on that, I think. If you yeah. just okay. click on your intelligence modifier, it'll roll it and then add the modifier to it. Okay. On that, I don't actually have an intelligence modifier. So, so it's just a straight intelligence It's just check. a straight roll. But yeah, and then add your proficiency up. modifier. All right. Where are you? And then add the results of a D4. Okay. You know what I need to see what my proficiency modifier is because I don't know where that is on It here. should be up by your armor class. Uh, up by armor class? Oh, okay. So it's all right. It's plus four. Does anyone right. in our group have good intelligence? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> you know, which is like, uh, that's a good question. Right, um, <laughs> I am slightly higher than average. Okay. Um, yeah. That was a, after the plus four from the, sorry, the plus four from my advantage and uh, the D4 that I got on that, I think it was a 16 total. 16. Okay. Uh, now do the same thing for wisdom. Oh, the intelligence okay, allows you to gather up the ingredients. The wisdom allows you to assemble them. Okay. All right. Uh, and I will go ahead and use my inspiration from my frittata or whatever that was last time. Okay. Just at what am I, 15. That is a 19. 19. And then the final check, you could either do sleight of hand or performance. Oh, we're going sleight of hand on this. Okay. Since you're already proficient in that, that should already I'm be added super in. Proficient in that. Yeah. It's a twenty-six. Yeah. Um, so while Spot is doing that, um, what are the rest of you doing with your time? Puck is fascinated. Puck is literally just standing there watching Spot just assemble this bait, which after a while Punch is unknowingly kind of salvating. And you know how familiar animals will lick your arm and your hands while you're doing something? Uh -huh. It's their way of just showing they approve. It's just this long kind of it's, – it's almost like Punch is grooming Spot while he's, like, assembling this bait. Did they happen to leave that magic anvil? Um, yeah, that is still here. They have no interest in taking that. Was there okay. also – um, there was an item they were going to look for that Vazarus had that was some something he was using to charm people that they were going to go hunting for. Did we ever hear anything more about that? No, nothing else was mentioned about that. Oh, bummer. I'm going to see. In fact, I think I... that came out of a conversation through kind of a joint conversation between those that are interested up in the mining pits as well as potentially an interest um, that Vassarus had of locating it. So Vassarus didn't necessarily discover the item yet, but there was conversation that either those up in the mining pits or Vassarus himself, they were looking for something upon which to like influence people. 
Oh, okay. Um, the Truthkeeper Anvil is used to either create or destroy relics. Yep. I'm going to see if I can finagle that into the bag of holding. Is Ooh, it? Give me a uh, can I... Can I finagle the uh, the end of the bag around it? So the bag of holding is a standard bag of holding. It's not a backpack uh, or rucksack. It's a haversack. Oh, haversack the haversack will definitely fit. And okay. I think you have room in there. So, uh, so it takes you about five minutes to undo the bindings. Mm-hmm. And you, eventually you're gradually like a sock. on a, like It's like putting yeah, a like tube sock on like a, on like yeah, a really oh, yeah. big giant's foot. Yeah. You know, you're kind of mm-hmm. angling it and moving it and getting it on there in such a way at some point, you get it onto you get the haversack onto the anvil, and you watch as the anvil just kind of like disappears into the interior of the haversack. It's always weird when a hundred pound item suddenly doesn't weigh anything. Yeah, and I and it's one of those like I don't know we we may this may come in handy later. Otherwise, you know, I could be standing really high and shake an anvil out on top of somebody. <laughs> Go full on Hanna Barbera. You know, yeah, worse comes <laughs> worse. You know. It's not bad. Yeah. Go a little wily coyote. Because <laughs> it's not going to be heavy while I'm up in the air. And as soon as I flip it over, you know. Somebody so. can polymorph uh, the bad guy into a roadrunner, and then you fly up and <laughs> drop the anvil. Well, I would go, I would definitely go for Jerry, though. I wouldn't go. Yeah, roadrunner's too fast. I'd go for a mouse, you know. <laughs> oh, poor Jerry. <laughs> Easier target to hit from that from that height. <laughs> so what do you guys do? It's now we'll say it's now mid morning. Early morning has passed off. The lizard folk have receded out of eyesight as they are now further up the river. And the mid morning kind of spring, like in the tropical island regions, spring is still kind of humid regardless. Then kind of gradual humidity is beginning to settle in around the jungle fringes and regions that you're in. So we've got uh, humidity, jungle bugs, um, fight the river, or... And then, the, yeah, the constant reminder, you know, <laughs> yeah, of the kind of like broken, <laughs> fractured mountain range that kind of makes up the center of the island. It's just always this constant kind of ashen dark smoke you know volcanic kind of background in the background i mean i I vote i vote the mountain range just try and and cut on through i mean i i granted i can fly so you know maybe i have but i can help spot footholds and things if we need to climb i can scout ahead if i need to i've got some moderate stealth you know and I won't make a sound if I'm flying. So, I literally don't don't even look up from my uh, from my cooking pot. Just like, why would you need to help me find handholds? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you not talking to the cat might be might be the hundred pounds of metal with the big helmet over here. <laughs> I'm a little worried. I am gonna fry in the lava fields in the metal uh, helmet, but. If if there's if we can find a way in through the mountains and it's faster, I think that's the way to go. It just isn't clear to me that there actually is a path. And I pinned what the mountain range looks like as you guys look off in that direction. I posted that in Discord. 
the jungle sucked. I got bit by a lot of bugs, and I almost got eaten. And I really don't want that experience again. Yeah. And that's a big, ominous-looking mountain and lava fields. (laughs) But at the same time, we already know we're going there anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not not to argue too much in favor of uh, of the jungle, but um, I can take point. Um, if you guys want, do you guys have anything that might direct the bugs to me? Because um, <laughs> they can't do anything to me at this point. I mean, you have a tail. Like we don't have uh, exactly to swat those things away. That's your misfortune. <laughs> Sucks to be human. <laughs> you know, I have a hundred pound anvil in my backpack that could accidentally fall on that tail sometime. <laughs> well, that's an interesting way to tell me you don't want any of my tasty treats ever, but that's okay. I'd like to see you run away with a hundred pound anvil on your tail. Winter, what do you think between river, jungle, and mountain? Well, given what the mountain looks like. I don't know, because it's like, I'm scared of what the rest look like. <laughs> um, I would say river. Does everyone know how to swim? Oh, wait, Cass doesn't like water. He can walk on water. You We can, he can push us on water. We just get on the boat, and he could just push us up river, right? Or we strap him, and he can run and drag us on the boat, right? I, I oh, almost like the river cool. better now. Yeah. Someone is polymorphed into like a whale and just pulls us down. Oh, no, he could. I don't know if he could walk on water as uh, as any other beast other than his normal form. Yeah, it's a monk thing. (laughs) But yeah. So we could just tie a rope around him and let him drag us upriver. I I think it would work better. (sighs) Do we have a boat still? There's a couple still down at the bank. Yeah, Yeah, there's a couple extra ones that weren't taken. All right. Is the river like treacherous? And, like, do we have to worry about anything coming out of the river, or is it just like a safe? Other than the swarming alligators, I mean, we didn't kill them. And obviously, Especially that really large alligator that would participate. I mean, could they have lived for days off of what they feasted upon? It's possible. Whether or not they'll be a direct threat. Um, but the kind of like the, the general like coming this far from the city of Nomework and being in the center of the island where a majority of people don't even bother to come out to. I mean, there could be entire areas you're going to have to travel through that people haven't gone through yet. And the Korgoth had described that the dozen or so villages were relatively small. Um, and we're relatively populated with just enough lizard folk of different clans to, you know, exist. But for the better part, I mean, the majority of the center of this island hasn't been really touched by anyone that lives on the island, with the one exception that, you know, the coppers have put a mining pit near the edge of the volcanic kind of like mountainous range and they're looking for something they seem to have gained control or at least gained the participation of some mysterious dragon at the same time 
Am I allowed to steal a piece of meat just in case I need a scapegoat? <laughs> <laughs> Spot would, would, uh, would help me out there. <laughs> yeah. you, can always, you can always shoot something, you know, just like, oh, crap. Sometimes my rules don't, be, sorry, my rules don't cut it sometimes. <laughs> and I just need a peace offering to let me go or give me a head start. Here's yeah, like, yeah, like, like Winner's standing watching Spot make the bait. And then Spot's making the bait. Winner's just like, so can you make something that would allow me to distract something that's trying to eat me? Pocket Sam. <laughs> I mean, well, what I was going to do is um, I was going to keep one of these and just tuck it into Earthman's robe and not tell him. I mean, that would work. Well. <laughs> that would work. That would work. Puck's like, um, no, no, don't want to do that. That'd be a waste of good bait. Um, I'm I'm interested in this bait. Can I have some of that spot? Oh, of course. She takes a little, kind of like a little portion of it, puts it inside of one of her leather pouches, and kind of climbs back on top of Punch and gives Punch a little kind of like ankle kick on the side of his ribs, and she Is just she kind really of to... she she just kind of goes off towards the edge of the jungle like she's exploring. Okay. Is she literally doing like the fishing line in front of him, like you know, trying to <laughs> yeah, the wooden pole with it dangling? And yeah, no, Punch is pretty motivated. He doesn't need bait to be motivated. So far, <laughs> so what's the plan? Has well, have you has Spot lured any? Uh, leopard yet? I mean, he's still got to go plant the bait, and I mean, it could take some time. I don't think uh, you get the mind. feeling that might be what Puck is doing. <laughs> Puck is kind of out scouting right now to see if there's any possible kind of uh, uh, game trails or s- spots or areas that maybe the bait could be placed in hopes. Um, so I spy- heard there's giant fire dinosaurs in the mountain. If we go to the mountain, maybe we could capture a fire dinosaur. <laughs> Anybody know what fire dinosaurs eat? <laughs> Same thing as everything else with sharp teeth eats? Meat. Meatosauruses. And there's not a whole lot of meatosauruses. There's not a whole lot of meat walking up through the mountains. I mean, we should be able to attract them without even having bait going that way. Okay, because I, I, I heard a lot of words, but what the gist of it is, you're okay being used as a lure for uh, for a fire dragon. Okay, all I right. I mean, we're all we are all already bait. <laughs> I'm gonna try. I'm gonna sleight of hand tuck a couple of these into Earthen's robes. I imagine like Xanath is over there, like looking at her divinity book and kind of looking up at the two of you, and with my twenty three passive perception. But... <laughs> yeah, just like. <laughs> so Puck is currently scouting for some possible places to lay the bait. Spot, you wrap up your activity. Um, you then assemble kind of like uh, some distraction meat that you hand off to Winter that she could use if she needs it. Like kind of like the leftovers of like a nearby carcass of of like a, a, a river dwelling creature, um, either a large fish or 
maybe a capybara or something that was kind of like pulled out of the river. Um, that should be its own magic item, just distraction meat. <laughs> so once again, for this, just give me a sleight of hand as you assemble it. This is a pretty simple task for you, okay. but. Uh, 16. 16. So Winter, Spot handles, like, hands you this small leather bag filled with this, like, strange-smelling kind of meat that he's bound up inside of it. If you were to ever try to intimidate or persuade a, a beast or monster that, that you encounter, you'll gain advantage as long as you use this device and throw it like use it as part of your attempt to either distract persuade or intimidate a beast or creature okay it's a little stinky but you're getting used to it i feel like at this point we kind of need a plan b well i need a plan (laughs) (laughs) i don't know using earth in his bait sound Interesting, to say the least. <laughs> I'm very flashy. Eventually, Puck comes riding back in. Now, no sign of anything big out there. Just, just lots of water and jungle teeming with giant bugs. Yeah, and she I goes back like to lounging bugs. on the back of Punch, just kind of staring up at the sky. From time to time, pulling something out of a pouch and tossing it into her mouth. I think we got to get. I think we got to get go. moving Let's on go. this. Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna start walking up the stairs back up towards the gate, assuming that might be the best way to start into the mountains. Okay. So you guys gather yourself up, oh, gather up your equipment, flying. gather up your. <laughs> hopefully, gather up your resolve. I'll head back up the ascension stairs in the direction of the obsidian gates that have receded back into the cliff face after the completion of the ceremony. And with that, let's go ahead and take our five-minute break, and then we'll be right back. Just like that, we're back. I, 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 I hope Tally stated that she was off today because I haven't heard back from her. Mm-hmm. I hope she's okay. Yeah, I don't remember her saying anything last last session. Yeah, neither do I. But it, it always she's she's like clockwork. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. beginning to wonder if maybe I'd forgotten that she was she had said something. Kurt, today yep. was the day that I realized you have a ponytail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I usually have it tied up like in a knot, in a bun. I did not realize it until you did the hair thing. And I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days. 
long, yeah. long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> you had the ponytail? Today I, I had hair. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let these amazing bangs fool you. Uh-huh. All I got. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's about all I have left, too. <laughs> so, as you guys gather up Spot, Winter, Puck, and the menagerie that is your group, <laughs> you begin to ascend back up the Great Ascension stairs towards the plateau. The plateau that exists just alongside at equal height as the dwellings of the lizard folk, as well as slightly elevated above the plateau is the roost of the rock, um, the guardian of the uh, Sawtooth clan. Um, and then here standing on the plateau with the completion of the ceremony, everything else is kind of just faded back into normal appearance, right? The pictographs are all gone. Everything that was there prior to the ceremony is pretty much gone. And now you're just looking up at a very rocky and broken landscape that just kind of um, breaks apart ebbs out ravines like uh, protrusions of rock for another three four thousand feet at you know uh up above you and then there it slightly comes into the clouds in ash that kind of make up the border of the beginnings of the transition over into the underlay on the other side of the mountain range itself um if you want to anyone's free to make a survival check to see if they notice any possibilities or alternatives or any footpaths that might be available. Uh, well, you said survival? Correct. Okay. I mean, yeah, oh. it's almost like these are in order. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's a 14 for survival. And um, I'm curious, could I possibly do either a stealth or a sleight of hand uh, to see if I notice anything that like uh, – a conscious person trying to cover their tracks, something like that. Um, you can give me investigation. Okay. Well, All you right. give me investigation or nature, your choice. What was that frittata again? What was the bonus from that? Plus eight. Never eight man. Plus eight. Plus eight. Which is about to wear off because it's almost been twenty-four hours. Yeah, I, I've never. Yeah, so I'll eat my frittata finally for breakfast, okay. uh, and that'll boost my survival roll because that was not a great roll. Okay. It's up to you if you want to. With the frittata, it's a 22. Oh, God, these frittatas are inspirational. I got a 14. 14? Yeah. What'd you get, Earthen? It was a 14 until I ate my frittata. Now it's a... 22. <laughs> 22. Spock got a 14. Winter, what'd you get for your survival check? Uh-oh. I'm sorry, the app was updating. Uh, one second. Wait, what do you wrote for survival? Wait. It's, it's, it's uh, one of the skills. It's, it's one of the skills. Yep. They're in alphabetical order. Oh, okay. There's also wisdom, though. If you just roll wisdom, um, I got a natural yeah. twenty, so a twenty-six. Nice, Dang. Nice. nice, awesome. The DC was a twenty-five. Um, 
<laughs> as all of you begin to scour and look around, including Puck, I mean, everyone's kind of like breaking off into different directions, going to the edge of the plateau where it just, it's just a sheer drop to the right, uh, the other, another sheer drop to the left, and looking up at this cliff face. Winter, you're the first one to notice it. And it's mostly by accident than on purpose. You begin to realize that there is a back and forth pathway <coughs> on the ridge. But looking at the ridge straight ahead, you'd never see it. So when you kind of like move over at an angle and then cock your head off slightly to look at the ridge line, hidden kind of in the kind of um, the rocks and the way that the cliff face is kind of broken apart and huge rocks are like sticking out in different directions. There it is like this very subtle, maybe not bigger than a foot in width. Um, just in between the rocks and ravines and the crags and crooks of this cliff face is this very, very barely visible footpath that goes up for a hundred feet. And then it kind of goes back another hundred feet it's just this zigzag, this gradual footpath that leads deeper up into the higher elevations of the ridgeline. Am I allowed to just like grab Xanna's hand and then like literally position her face and her body to where I'm standing so she can see what I see? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you go over, you grab Xanna's, you go, am I seeing this? And you what? put her right in the spot that you're standing and you point her. And sure enough, Xanath, at the right angle, all the rocks kind of, kind of, um, kind of like that Where's Waldo feeling. You just kind of see this very subtle footpath that kind of zigzags back and forth until you lose sight of it up in the higher elevations. Oh my God! There's a path. Oh my God! That looks extremely dangerous to walk on. Tell you it's what. barely a foot wide at the yeah. beginning. Like the two of you are standing at the beginning point, and there's like these two huge boulders that are broken apart. There's a slight start point of maybe about 10 square feet of rubble. And then it starts going up the cliff face. And at best, it's maybe a foot wide. Uh, in some cases, looking up the footpath, there's exposed points on it where you have nothing to hold on to other than your balance to make it across. And then, higher up. I don't know if anyone's seen The Witcher, but there was that scene where they were traveling with the dwarves to go to the Golden Dragon's Lair. Mm -hmm. has that very same feel. This this kind of just very, very kind of like... But it's a direct path. It'll take you just looking at it. This could cut almost a day out of your travels just by climbing this path. So I can fly. Okay? I know you're clunky and not great with balance. I won't let you fall. I'll like I'm gonna fly alongside us, just watching for that situation. Um, and worst come to worst, you know, we have dimension door too, so we can fall onto the ground if we have to. All right, I don't love it. What'd you say, winner? Can we do like the buddy system where like there's like a piece of rope and we like tie it to like a belt loop or something? Uh, like the moment that you say that, like Puck's already standing <laughs> there with a rope in her hand. It's already <laughs> tied around her waist. 
she's like, I'm not really all that good at this. Even, you, you know, I, I think even Puck or, or Punch would have a better chance if I'm not on his back. And hey, so um, she climbs off Punch's back with the rope tied around her waist. And she hands the rope off to Winter. So what if uh, what if Lunch and I are, are pulling up either side of you guys, helping, or, or well, just one side of you guys to keep us on the on the path? I mean, there's two of us that can fly. How long does your fly ring last, like, in one go? Just, uh, like, forever? It's, it's, it's up to it's an long. hour. Up to yeah, an hour? To, okay. Yeah, up to an hour. Yeah, but we hadn't hit that time yet. <laughs> no, we've never maxed out on that timer, but it'd be up to an hour. Yeah. I can also, I can cast Enhance Ability, which can give a person advantage on dex checks. I could, If I do it at third level, I can give it to another person. Is there anyone else who wants that? I know some of you guys are pretty dexy already. Yeah, I was going to say, I literally have default advantage on deck saves. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> well, I would also kind of wager that just kind of like looking at the kind of like looking at the, the, the sheerness of the cliff face, part of the journey you can't really see because you kind of lose track of it the higher up it goes. Um, to get to the top of the ridgeline, you're looking at about a 3,000... 4,000 foot climb. Um, this is only like that, maybe that beginning of that first thousand foot climb that could be seen. And then you kind of lose track of the pathway the further up it gets and out of eyeshot. Um, you get the feeling that it's going to be a combination of skills to make it up this path. Mm -hmm. While those that are a bit more kind of athletic or acrobatic may find it, um, find it travel worthy you all come to the realization that you probably cannot get all the way up there by end of day. So at some point you'll have to find camp or yep. push through the night. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to do it. All right. There's never a dull moment with this group. <laughs> <laughs> Says so, the one that talks to her weapon. You bought it for me. <laughs> You're the enabler, then not me. So for this first journey, we're going to say the next four hours of this journey is going to require some skill and some planning. So everybody go ahead and identify a skill you want to use and then explain to me how you're going to use it to aid the group's ability uh, to get up this first 1,000 to 2,000 feet of this journey within the remainder of daylight that still exists. And I am going to roll for Puck. She's going to pick survival. I'll roll for her. All right. Um, Earthen, what skill and how are you going to use it to help Help the team guide its way up this path. Uh, I'm going to roll perception. Okay. Uh, just watching for, uh, looking for footholds, handholds where there are, uh, as well as um, spots where we might be able to stop and rest safely. So are you saving the ring for emergencies? Because you're looking yeah, at the, about a four to six hour journey. So you're limited. So the ring becomes yeah. an emergency. Rings are emergency. If, okay. if somebody starts to slip, bah! okay. So, yeah. 
So go ahead and give me your yeah. Climber, go ahead and yeah. give me your perception check. Ha! If it didn't bounce off my other dice, I might have better roll. That was a uh, fourteen. Okay. Spot. What skill uh, and how are you using it? Acrobatics, and I can clamber up on top of trees or boulders or around obstacles in the path. I can like use that to lay ropes or physically pull the other party members over or under or around them. Okay, love it. Go ahead and make an acrobatics roll. That is a 27. Nice. Zanith, what skill and how are you going to use it? You're mute. Well, I think I will uh, try to use insight, I guess, to keep an eye on my party members and notice if one of them is like looking uh, like they're about to fall or otherwise unsafe. Okay. Give me that insight check. All right. That's a two. All right. But my insight is plus eight. So that's 10 plus four is 14. Okay. Good recovery. Good recovery. Uh, Winter, what skill and how are you going to use it? I think I'm going to use animal handling because I'm very certain that there will be an animal out there that I can probably like use to my advantage. <gasps> Do I still have the bird? Your sparrow, yeah. Yeah, you still have your sparrow, yeah. Forgot all about the bird. I still want to do animal handling. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I could say you could even somehow tie it into your sparrow, maybe kind of checking on the path or doing things and maybe helping warn you in case it sees something. Okay, okay. All right, go ahead and give me animal handling. Her eyes on the sparrow. I love the face that you give me, Winter, when you roll like shit. It's hysterical. <laughs> like, it's the it's the best deadpan I've ever seen. Just this, almost like you can't even fathom that you rolled so low. Her eye is not on the sparrow. It was, it was literally like tipping between like a thirteen, and I'm like, and where did that sparrow come from? Do we remember? The same market. Uh, that's right. The, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Lunch or lunch. So we'll is. start yeah. with winter. So <laughs> winter is seeing um, Puck's hesitancy. Um, not only does she tie the rope around her waist, but she kind of leans down towards Puck and like pulls, brings the sparrow into her hand and gently soothes it. And winter begins to speak to it and tell it how important it is that it guides and help them. The beginning dangers of this journey and the sparrow's head kind of cocks and tweaks looking up at winter and then it flies off keeps going going it's gone oh no <laughs> it doesn't come back no <laughs> it <just> flies off at <laughs> oh, least it wasn't like one of those they didn't release and it Puck's like, like standing there but like Puck puts her hand on Winter's elbow. Don't worry, I'll come back. It's not coming back. That'd be while like like spots already like beginning to climb like up the main beginnings of the of of the pathway, and uh, Xanth just gives you this this kind of like um, sad look, and Earth is just like. Eh, maybe it knows something we don't. It like kind of follows Zanith as Puck has this single tear that's rolling down Puck's cheek as she realizes the sparrow's not coming back. 
<laughs> and you just hear under Puck's oh, no. breath, like, Puck's like, fuck. <laughs> she just starts <laughs> going up the pathway. <laughs> so who's who's going to be a, in front? Who's who's taking up the lead? Because it is a single file ascension. No, it's good. I, I was going to say. Okay. The cat. Yeah. Who's going to be behind Spot? Put Puck, um, put Puck behind Spot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Puck and, Puck. Puck and Punch. Okay. Lunch is currently a coin in Punch's pocket, as she's going to do the same thing that you do with your ring, Earthen, in case there's an emergency. Yep. She'll call Lunch out to facilitate. Yep. So so I'll be in the back. Puck? I can be behind Puck. Okay. Xanath is Xanath and Puck in the middle. Who's after Xanath? Can I be left? Mm-hmm. So we'll put Earth in after you fall Xanath. Off, you're gone. <laughs> and then like I can't put, see you if you fall off. <laughs> winter in the back. The journey is not that hard at first. You can even see signs that others have tried to use this path before. It's after you get up about the 500-foot level that you begin to kind of, for the first time, taste like the kind of like charcoal nature of the air as you're getting closer, the beginnings of getting closer to the ridgeline, uh, the density of the smoke and ash. There's all those signs on the rock of, of just centuries of settling ash and soot of the area. And every now and then, one or two of you either cough as the ash gets a little bit thicker or denser. Um, but the first half of this journey seems to go okay. Lonely because her dad's not paying attention. You get to a point where you're no longer seeing signs that anyone made it up further. And it's at this point you're realizing you're at the highest point that you are able to see from down below. And now gradually more and more of the pathway is revealing itself as you Come out of the section that was mostly a zigzag section. It's now a trail that just kind of follows the occasional ridge line, and then you have to pull yourself up to the next one, follows it. So rather than being at a slight angle going back and forth, it's now just this flat back and forth ridge line leading higher and higher up into the mountain. Spot kind of using his natural nimble kind of like abilities here quickly moves wherever he sees possible pitfalls or debris or uh, uh, fractured areas of rock that make it a little bit difficult for others pointing out different things earthen also uses his perception his ability to see well and keep a focus on the fact that xanath is being very proactive about the pathway, keeping everybody in tune with the idea of what to expect. Um, winter is glum. The fact that her bird didn't come back <laughs> and Puck is like just kind of frustrated as well. But Puck uses her survival to point things out, uh, to point out handholds and footholds, to point out different areas where you can traverse. So with that in mind, I need everybody to make either acrobatics or athletics checks. Ooh, net 20. For a total of? 33. Okay. 
Earthed? 16. Okay. Uh, 18, sorry. I forgot 18? my uh, proficiency added. Yeah. All right. Proficiency. Yeah. Winter? It's a 15. Okay. On the edge of danger. <laughs> Zenith, what'd you get? Um, I cast Enhanced Ability on myself and I got a 20. Okay. So that none of you incur any kind of exhaustion or any kind of injury from stumbling or uh, getting foot caught in crags or having to help each other up to different levels of the pathway. And by the time the sun begins to set, you're a good 2,000 feet up into the side of the cliff, realizing that you probably have another 2,000 feet ahead of you. Um, it's at this point that Puck kind of guides the four of you onto a ledge, onto an outcropping that kind of overlooks down below. Now you could see the entire Sawtooth Valley below. Um, as the sun is beginning to set, you can see the river, like like this great, like kind of like windy pathway that delivers itself off into the south, into the jungle, and slightly off towards the north. The rolling canopy, as well. There's even a moment at the at the at the point that the sun begins to like settle. You could, it's kind of like that moment you could see the the coastline. Like barely though, like the the far distant coastline that you would know to be near where Nomorks would be, and the entire like southern half of the island is just lit up with color and bright light, just as the kind of the sun dips beyond the horizon, and now you can hear <laughs> as you're getting closer to the edge. And now, every now and then looking up, you can see the smoke and ash boil out and over the ridgeline above you, just as light fades. And every now and then, a crackle of red lightning kind of cracks into the clouds. But Puck has managed to find a reasonably safe spot to camp overnight. It is now dark out. Sounds of the underlay playing out above you and the entire jungle down below just broadcast out and into the distance. You can kind of hear the night noises of the jungle, but not quite like you can um, hear the sounds of the concussious booms and the occasional crackling of the kind of pyroclastic lightning of the, of the ash. Right, it is now the end of the day. What would you guys like to do? How precarious is our, our, camping spot are we like right on the edge or are we in a relatively clear land you have some room not a lot of room but you have some room to stretch out it's maybe about 100 150 square feet of rocky kind of uh like a rocky point it's the only one that's kind of usable for the purposes of camping and taking a break um you give me investigation as you begin to look around and kind of examine the area a little bit more intently okay uh That's a five. <laughs> my active or my passive is ten. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty suitable rocky ledge, as best as you could tell. I I feel like I'm gonna be overly cautious. Like, say, uh, let my wisdom rule me a little bit. Um, 
I'm going to go try to find like the the edge of the cliff, just find like little fissures in the rock that I can uh, basically slam darts in, just kind of make some pitons, uh, so that I can anchor ourselves to the wall in case there's something we uh, something happens we're not expecting. Okay, so you begin uh, to kind of create some anchor points, put in some pitons, and tie off some rope around the edge. Um, give me sleight of hand um, or athletics. Your choice as you do that. Oh, definitely sleight of hand. Okay. <laughs> oh, man, that sucks. That's a 16, but... It's not bad. It's pretty good. Well, okay. that's a 3 plus 13. You have plus 13 to sleight of hand? Oh, my I, God. Yeah, uh, that, the, He's a curious... Or they yeah. are a curious kitty. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, this is the reason why I kept my, my rogue level. I have just stupid... Uh, like... Uh, sorry. Proficiency when it comes They're to waiting like, for that Frodo stuff. moment as Gollum goes to fall into the volcano, and I go, "Okay, give me a sleight of hand to pull the ring off uh, off of Gollum's finger." <laughs> I roll a ninety-five. Pluck it right off finger. Bite it. Well, once Spot has set up his uh, his pedons, I can wherever it makes most sense pop up the dome. Okay. Let's watch as Anth is beginning to prepare the dome for the overnight camping. I'm just setting up against the cliff face, like on my back, like sitting. I'm just going to sleep sitting up, but okay. sitting against the back of the, yeah. Okay. Feet towards the ledge. <laughs> so if I roll, I'm not rolling off. <laughs> well, once you're in the dome, you're relatively safe. Yeah. Anybody else? <clears throat> so with that, I'm going to actually pick yeah. out. Uh, I have Vasarisk's Vasarisk spell tome okay. in my bag. I'm going to pull it out and just kind of thumb through it. Um, I don't know that I ever identified it, but I didn't know that there was anything I could identify in it because it's. I mean, you never really took the time to. Yeah, this yeah. is like your first break you've had in two or three days of pursuit and dealing with Vasarisk that you finally kind of been able to even, you know. Take a moment. Give me an investigation as you begin to thumb through the arcanic tome of yeah. Vassar's spell book. Should I cast um, identify as well, or is that going to have any effect on it? I, I, I mean, since we're getting ready to rest, I'll go in and cast identify as well. Okay. The spell book does have a magical binding to it. Um, by casting identify, it reveals to you uh, an invocation of read languages that allows you to finally be able to read and interpret the book. You begin to realize that as you first looked or glanced at it previously, you were unable to kind of like put the words and the letterings together. Nothing really made sense. But that's when you realize that there's a glyph effect on it called glyph of translation, which you invoke as it was identified to you. Um, and the book itself seems to be a magical device. Um, it is a book of secrets. Uh, he had found this tome, was able to convert it into his own use, and decided to use it as his spell book. And some of the writing, some of the illustrations, are very much done in shadowy kind of um, lithograph, like... Um, kind of interpretations, lots of 
black ink, black chalk, um, uh, grays and uh, uh, hues of black and grays, where there's this one illustration of this great hand kind of like sticking up out of another illustration of a cloud of smoke. Um, you know, another illustration of what looks to be like a meteorite striking the side of a mountain. Um, there's another illustration of these dark kind of like ambient darts that just kind of float midair. Um, there's another illustration of, uh, you know, uh, this hand pulling a skeleton from the ground as this animate dead spell is kind of re kind of revealed to you as well. And you begin to realize that you're studying a book of shadow sorcery. Almost all the spells, all the inherent magics that you're reading within this book have to do with either necromancy, um, have to do with animate dead, um, the utilization of magics that are drawn um, from the ethereal plane, um, different types of magic done for illusion, manipulation, fear. And it's interesting, this book and these spells and the way this thing's been designed feels old, feels very old. Don't care much for his handwriting. What was he working on? Oh, you know, dead stuff, bringing Classic. dead stuff back. Um, yeah, lots and lots of dead stuff. Oh, um, unreal. Right. Has a. Uh, You're cutting out. I can't hear you, Spot. That's me mumbling. Don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Has a. I I couldn't I couldn't word. Um. More for uh for Puck. Has Puck noticed anything? Because she's the one that went out and set the uh, the jaguar bait. Um. Any any stirrings there? Uh, she's not really interested in driving or riding all the way back down to the base. So <laughs> you kind of left a couple bait trails down below to see if they would come up. And uh, she just went down to check on the nearest bait trail that she left. And no sign so far. Eventually, I will learn how to spell. <laughs> We're going to have, like, a mountain cougar is going to chase us up this path, you know? They won't be able to get into the dome, though, so we're at least good until morning. <laughs> right? <laughs> so at this point, eventually, you all retreat inside Xanthus. Um, dome, team, uh, Lehman's tiny hut, um, and all of you finally enjoy kind of like a bit of relief from the atmospherics of outside. Because <coughs> the higher up you get, the closer you get to the smoke and the ash, and the kind of like pyroclastic effect of the underlay fields and the and the lava fields of the interior of the area. 
Um, blow out a bunch of black snot from the <laughs> ashy air. So the question is, do you guys want to put on a watch or do you want to trust that the dome will keep you safe? Let me check on the thing real fast. I think I'm... Uh, I trust the dome. It hasn't failed us yet. There shouldn't be any any way anything can get in. The que- I guess the question is, because someone could roll out of the dome, it won't prevent people from rolling out. Well, I mean, that's what the, the kids had the pitons for. So. Yeah. So I think it's okay. I think it's okay to sleep. You can hear Puck snoring. She's already got like, Punch is already like curled up in a sleep, and Puck is like fetal position into Punch's like rib cage and tail and back feet. Like she's just tucked up underneath there, like a, you know, like a bug, and she's already snoring out cold. (laughs) Puck's okay. I'm okay. All right. Still, like, back to the wall, because, you know, just in case. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. As all of you drift off to sleep, Zenith, give me a charisma save, please. All right. Ah, that's going to be a 10. As you fall into your sleep, there's this thrum kind of builds in the background of your mind. You're standing in utter darkness with the exception of this thrumming noise kind of building in the background. There's a point where your vision kind of blurs as the things around you are shifting. You can hear yourself breathe, but you're not sure if you really are. And then the sense that something is kind of circling you on the very fringe of what you're looking inward or outward. You're not sure. You can feel the displacement of a breeze, like something moving nearby. And hear the kind of sounds of taloned claws clicking on a hardened surface. But as you look at your own feet, just a kind of like soft feeling of ash and dust. And then you see this figure begin to slowly walk out of the darkened fringe of your subconscious. They are hard to understand. Their mouth is moving as if they're talking, but no words or audible sounds coming from their mouth. The thrum builds for a moment. 
very tall kind of like they are neither species or gender or form. There's almost like a kind of androgynous appearance about them. That their long hair that drapes past shoulder and down their back. They're wearing blackened robes of many different shades of black, gray, and dark grays, light grays, and blacks. They move almost like they're fluid, but when they move, the thrum kind of picks up in pace and sound. Their facial features, almost porcelain in like an ageless per, like perspective. A sharp chin of what feels like silvern heritage, but this kind of almost, oh, when you see their eyes, their eyes, while almond-shaped, it's the lack of irises and pupils and form within their eyes that kind of catch you off guard. Um, give me either history or religion check, as you're just wordlessly staring at this figure standing in front of you. Okay. Um, that's a 14 for religion. Their eyes are almost shaped like images and illustrations of a creature that you would call a palantir. Just these very kind of divine-like eyes. Almost like they could see in and out of things that are beyond your understanding. Probably the most noticeable thing is a necklace around their neck. A kind of like flat, bare, empty piece of golden and silver metal where an inset or inlay would sit within it. And just for a briefest moment, you feel this empathetic connection with it. Years of pain and suffering begin to pour into your mind. Years of running and hiding. Centuries of living in constant fear pour into your mind. And then it shows you a glimpse of something. Here you could see a great chamber of black emeralds. In the middle of this chamber, a stone dais, the small rounded stone platform. On the platform, a kind of stone or object. It's hard to see for sure. It's almost like it's in the shape of something, but the overwhelming sense of emotion and pain kind of make it hard for you to focus on this vision that's being revealed. All around it, the ebb and flow of lava and magma pools and cinder. And as you gradually begin to withdraw from it visually, almost as if the creature's pulling you out of what it's shown you, 
this revelation of coming out of the center chamber, out of these lava tubes, out of the base roots of a volcanic mountain, out across these unending magma fields of lava. And there's a moment where your vision stops. And you see this creature lift its head off of the neck of the captain. Blood coursing down its chin as the vampiric form of Mason is feeding once again to keep his sustenance, to sustain his energy. And then your vision continues to pull away, pull away, and then all of you wake up the next morning. Zenith, you startle awake. It is morning of the eighth day of the island and day one of your journey into the underlay. Sounds of the volcanic fields off in the distance getting louder. The morning not quite as bright as the ashen clouds begin to descend slightly down the ridge point. It's early morning, the start of day two of your travels into the underlay. What would you guys like to do? I'm going to start off by uh, making a fortifying breakfast for my companions, like uh, what I got from my, my pack. Okay, our first D12 roll of the effort. Um, so, the usual, give me start with intelligence. So give me an intelligence check as you assemble the ingredients. Okay. Ooh, nat 20. Nice. With your four for proficiency, so that's a 24, which is really good. Yep. Um, now give me wisdom with advantage. Okay, wisdom with advantage. Now we do that now. <laughs> okay, first roll is also a nat 20, so that's a 23. <laughs> nice. Oh Best breakfast ever. Yeah, like, now give me slight of hand with Yeah. <laughs> As you assemble the recipe, assemble the ingredients, and begin okay. to wrap up cooking the morning breakfast. Slight of hand was a 29. Okay. Now roll a d12, please. All right, now a d12. That is an 11. 11. That is... That's like my best series of rolls I've ever done. <laughs> you managed to make a breakfast of agility. Um, everybody now has, for the next 24 hours, plus one to their decks. That's awesome. Nice. The combination of the exotic foods, the spices, you would take a moment to infuse this kind of rare element that you were given, and you produce this amazing breakfast that everyone begins to eat and consume in the morning, um, gaining everybody a plus one bonus to their decks until your next long rest. Until the end of your next long rest. That'll, keep it e that'll make it easier to keep track. I'll uh, I'll tell the group while we're eating breakfast. I I think I had a 
a visionary or a dream about that dragon guarding the clutch last night. Um, it, I saw a creature, it looked elven, but it had an empty setting at its neck, like you've described. And I felt a connection to it, like it was in a lot of pain. And then I saw a vision pushing through the lava fields to an enormous chamber full of black emeralds with a dais with a stone. I couldn't see it, but it seemed important, connected somehow. And uh, Mason is 100% a vampire because I saw him feasting on the captain last night. I knew there was something about that guy. You were right. And you also pieced together that the strange goggles that he was wearing was probably to protect him from the effects of the sunlight. Oh, okay. Which would tell you that he's not a dampier. He is a vampire. He's vampire. Oh, vampire. Yeah. Whereas Caliban is definitely a dampier. Mm-hmm. Um, she can exist in both realities with equal expectation. Mm-hmm. So I'm stalking daylight now from now on. <laughs> Hmm. Well, you're mute, winner. Still, still muted. There you go. Can I try to see if I can call it to my bird and see if it'll come back? <laughs> <laughs> sure, give me animal handling. See if you can get it to come back. <laughs> you know what? Bardic inspiration for the bird. I'm in the background. Guidance. Okay, I love it. He rocks in the mountain tops all day long. Forget the bird. <laughs> Wait, you got your inspiration tied. So and roll, a, roll a D10 and a D4 <laughs> extra. Because <laughs> I saw your roll. <laughs> Never coming back. <laughs> you said roll a D10 and what? And, and a, a D4. D4. And just add them all together. If you roll two nat ones on these, I'm <laughs> then it wasn't. I don't what I say. <laughs> right. <laughs> well. Oh no. <laughs> what you do? One was bird? Two? I'm just gonna silently. <laughs> Just give it a light call. <laughs> possible. Even Puck is like sad. Like she's not even sure. She's just kind of sad. Spot took Spot took all the good faith on the rolls. <laughs> You're muted, Spot. <laughs> I was gonna go back and like pat her on the shoulder and just just to rub it. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can whistle the bird over. <laughs> the breakfast is good though, right? <laughs> um, I got a 21 on animal handling. <laughs> so, if the bird was nearby, it would definitely benefit from Spot's involvement, but. It never shows up. Like, Winter's at the edge of the cliff, just kind of 
looking around and down and out over the sheer drop and just spends a few moments just like, please just come back. Never got a chance. I should have tied a rope to it. <laughs> like a piece of string. <laughs> it's early morning. Breakfast has been consumed. Lehman's so, tiny hut has faded. All five half- of you looking up at the continuation of the trail. This day's journey will take you to the ridge. Deep into the ashen clouds and the dark billowy smoke of the ridge. Let's do it. Onward! The journey is harder now. The feeling of your breath getting raspy from the ash and soot that's getting thicker up here. The greasy stains of centuries of wind-blasted, smeared ash on the side of the rocks. The feeling of the height and elevation weighing you down. The air getting ever thinner. I need everyone to give me constitution saves, please. Uh. Oh, wow. Yeah. four. It's okay. I bet you beat mine. I didn't roll yet, but I'm a minus one. Four for spot. Oh, hey. Not bad. <laughs> What'd you get, Earthen? Uh, with my proficiency bonus half added on there, because jack of all trades, it's 17. Yeah. 17? I got a 12. 12 for Xanath. Winter, what'd you get? I have a 24. Nice. Ooh. That Legolas background begin to kick right. in. <laughs> um, light of foot... A slight spring in your step, Winter. You seem to be the most energetic of the troop. Um, you could see that the the ash and smoke is really taking a toll on Spot and Xanath both. The overall feeling of this oppressive environment. So, Spot, take five points of heat damage. Xanath, you'll take five points of heat damage as well. And you're beginning to show signs of exhaustion. Uh, I was curious, but uh, you said never mind, heat damage, so ignore me. Do we have a level of exhaustion, or just not damage? yet? You're showing signs okay. of it. You get the feeling that this is only going to get harder. Okay. All right. Um, how? I know we have everybody's got the plus one to their dexterity, but how dexterous is everyone? Because um, I'm wondering if it would be beneficial. Fox's like, oh, I'm very dexterous, and she falls off the back of. Punch. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm wondering if it might be beneficial for me to go out ahead. I can and just put up pitons in the vertical surface, run ropes, just so that um, some of our members just kind of look back at Earth and just. I can I fly if I have yeah, to. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm just also. I'm not tired right now. <laughs> But yeah, just wondering if it's worth it to go along and just uh, basically create uh, some hand, or not handles, to put some pitons in, run some ropes, just to be safe. What I, you guys- with your boost, I now have a plus two to dex, but that's like for my skill checks, it will just be plus two. Okay. 
All right. Um, I'm plus three with the, with the boost. Sweet. All right. Um, well, that's the other thing, because I have an idea if something does happen you slip off. I might have a, a trick in my back pocket. So um, I'm just going to soldier on, just kind of keep my head down and keep trudging up. Just don't sneeze, because all that ash rains on everybody behind you. <laughs> Remember your point. And your fur, I assume, is just collecting ash right now. Yeah, and it's like it's it's collecting on all of you. Like now you're in like the transition out of where it was just more of like the occasional noticeability of the ash and smoke to where now as you've gotten up to this high point, you're in the cloud ash itself and it's getting denser, darker, harder to see the ground in front of you, harder to see the trail. Um, so spot, um, go ahead and give me a perception check if you would. Mm -hmm. Uh, that is a dirty 20. Okay. It is getting harder for you to keep an eye on things, but you're kind of guiding everyone behind you, giving them, like, telling them to watch their step, be mindful, too close to the edge, stay pressed up against, like, the inner ledge that you guys are following up. Because now the angles get the occasionally more vertical and slightly downward. Um, if you've ever played Uncharted 4, it's kind of like, that feeling of just these bizarre changes in elevation, the path showing signs of erosion and breaking apart the further up you get, um, having to help each other leap over certain like cracks and crags of the pathway, the feeling of just this intense difficulty of breathing, the higher and higher up you get to the point now you can't even see well outward. Like you look up in the sky, it's like, late afternoon by the time you travel up another five, six, seven, eight hundred feet into this morass of ash and cloud and the sun, it almost looks like it's setting the darkness of the smoke and ash, the rumble of the lava fields. And now up above, about five to eight hundred feet up above in the gloom of the ash, the sounds of the of the lightning shredding across the pyroclastic kind of like smoke boiling higher and up, you can begin to see the top of the ridgeline. You can see the toothy fractures and pulled apart crags that tell you you're getting almost up to the peak of the ridgeline. Um, Puck did really good on her survival. So she would tell everyone through coughs, fits of coughing and kind of difficulty breathing. Uh, I, um, there's a, there's something up there I could see. There's a, there's a frack. I saw some lightning and there's, it looks like there might be a crack or a pass that takes us over the broken edge of, of the crag. I, I could see it every now and then, but it's, <coughs> she coughs, um, already punch is like kind of drooling, um, as, as punch is trying to deal with the ash, but you can see that puck is very heavy bags of near exhaustion underneath her eyes as well as she rolled a four for her con save previously. Um, but you guys push on, you travel, you do the best you can. So everyone give me a final con save as you're approaching the top of the ridge line. Uh, that's a 10. Okay. 
<gasps> That's a good smile. I know that smile, Winter. <laughs> nice. Earthen, what'd you get? Uh, that's an 11. 11. Yeah. Is um, that it? I, I cast Enhance Ability. I got a 19. Okay. And Winter, what'd you get? Your your 20 plus... 20 plus 6. Mm, 26. Nice. <laughs> You're not sure why everyone's complaining. It's not that hard, Winter. You're just like bebopping along, staving off the effects of exhaustion. Every now and then, dipping into your pocket, pulling out this kind of biscuit treat that you munch on from time to time to kind of keep you motivated and energized. Meanwhile, um, Spot, you will take a point of exhaustion as well as five more points of heat damage from the effect of the ash. Earthen, you are near exhaustion, but you will take five points of heat damage from the ash. Uh, Zenith, you will take the five points, but you are not suffering from exhaustion. You manage to just barely keeping it out of your system. You're pushed through, and before long, the five of you crest out of the pathway at the very top of the ridge, and you're in the dense smoke and ash. But as soon as you come up on the ridge, there's a gap in some of the fractured kind of like rocks in front of you. And you kind of help and push and tug at each other up over the ridgeline and on top to look down into what could only be described as a hellscape. This moment where the smoke and ash is billowing above and atop your, your heads and drifting down behind you. All down below is this vast, unending rockscape of fractured rock, lava fields, um, the sign of ageless eruptions, just countless eruptions that have been going on spreading out across the interior of the underlay, just broadcasting smoke, ash, um, soot, debris, lava fields, tendrils, almost like these yeah. long rivers of hot yellow-orange liquid moving and coursing through the great expanse of fields all in front of you. And then your eyes drift into the very center of this bowl-like feature where this great mountain jets up almost like this, like, broken finger of hate just pointed up into the kind of like center of this area an active volcano every now and then <laughs> kind of like billowing out yellow and orange plumes of smoke uh, kind of like cascading from it just sharp streaks of lightning <laughs> that kind of arc up into the clouds and then the strangest thing down towards your right, this huge kind of like stone statue, so huge that it must be a thousand feet in height. And it's fractured, blown apart. You barely have enough light of the lava fields and the gradual setting of what's left of the light of the sun through the ash and smoke that it looks like some kind of human figure made of pure stone that's broken apart. An arm jutting off in one direction. The upper torso fractured, collapsed in on the legs. Meanwhile, 
the bits of these mountain-sized debris in the center, you can see this massive hand just arced up in the air like it's half buried in the lava fields itself. The lava fields themselves offering a little bit of pinpoints of light where the rivers of lava clash with each other and then like a 20, 20 to 100 foot plume of lava kind of like spurts up into the air and then settles onto the ground. And here the air is thick, hot, and warm. You could feel the heat pouring up, the smell of sulfur and rotten egg kind of clouding, almost giving you these like low ebbing headaches. This is throbbing of of the beginnings of just feeling the overwhelming sense of this place. The sun finally dips down and away. And the only light is this permanent sense of light ebbing up from the lava fields below and the explosion of the lava fields themselves. Behold a dumb stinky bastard. (laughs) <laughs> I mean it is sulfur it is sulfur <laughs> the light fades it's the end of your second day of travel into the underlay you've gained quite a bit of time by coming straight at it and over but it takes a bit out of you to get here um, Puck looks around there's no obvious sign of a place to settle no plateau, no ridge, nothing more than the interior of the mountainscape that you're looking down and the broken rock that seems to lack any trail whatsoever. So it looks like it might be a free climb down into the underlay. But the underlay itself isn't quite as steep here. While the initial ridge line is a thousand foot drop, it's a gradual bowl of an angle, right? Just this sudden kind of like soft, although filled with rock and debris, the soft curvature into the very center bowl or caldera of this area. And you just hear Puck's voice. What do we do now? I don't really like it. (coughs) She coughs. I don't like it here. Uh, I think... Uh, yeah, I, I don't like it up here on the top either. Um, we might be better off if we can park down there. I'm like point down the bowl. I mean, going down should be easier than coming up, right? If we go down tonight, I can I can fly, which would be easier for me. I'm going to cast Greater Restoration on spot, too, because I know he has okay. a lot of exhaustion. I, I, I've only lost 15 uh, HP. I'm fine. Like, no, Greater I, Restoration is rid of exhaustion. It's rid of exhaustion. Yeah. Never mind. Never Don't worry about my HP. Like, <laughs> his, his limp tail gets a little bit more excited. His ears are less floppy <laughs> as he's feeling less kind of like they don't feel overwhelmed by the place anymore. The, the ash and soot, well... Still mired in their fur, he gets some of that energy back as he's no longer exhausted. I'm gonna go over to uh, Winter and just kind of be like, I have an idea that might be just stupid enough to work. Uh, I'm gonna look around. Um, I know where. Uh, is there a uh, 
like a particularly large boulder or um, something that looks particularly sturdy near us that might be able to. Uh, give me nature or survival. Survival or nature. Nature or survival. Eh, okay. Uh, that is only a nine. A nine? There are a lot of boulders and fractured stones on this ridgeline. Whether or not they're secure or not, it's hard to tell. All right. Um, Earth and Zamp, how many of us can you fly down at a time? Because I have another one of my stupid, brilliant ideas. Well, I don't like your stupid, brilliant ideas, but <laughs> I can, I can, you know, turn you back into a dragon. And, That's a different uh, super and, and great idea because what someone could possibly design. ride your back down. That's like putting a laser pointer in front of a tabaxi. It is. <laughs> so, I mean, if Xanth if Zant and I can fly down, Winter could ride your back down, and we've got lunch hiding away in a pocket over here. That uh, I think. Uh, that I think uh, Puck, Puck could get like down looks with. over. At what about? What about punch? Can 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 spot carry punch down too? I mean, that's a way better. Punch can carry me down, um, but but just just a thought, Earthen. Um, I can't really see all the way down there. It, it's it's hard to see. How do we know where we're landing? Like, what do we? Well, that's if, why we're all flying. We're not falling. <laughs> yeah, 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 but. How do we know what's down there? Like, like if we fly, we got to land somewhere, right? Or mm -hmm. do we just keep flying? I mean, we can do that too. I can only fly for four minutes. Yeah, but if you turn Spot into a dragon, how long can he be a dragon? Uh, an we'll hour? Say, like, uh, so he could, he could technically fly us for at least an hour before we have to land. Polymorph is an. Uh, hang on, let me it's double check that. Because if I upcast it, I think it lasts longer anyway. So I was going to say, like, even if he does, um, I have slow fall, which it would at least in part apply to some of you guys. Like, if, well, if he if he me, polymorphs, yeah, it's you, an hour. Okay. Yeah, if he polymorphs, you're essentially a dragon. I know. I'm yeah. saying like, what if yeah. it wears off? But yeah. Well, yeah, you could slow fall, but the others are going to plummet to their death. Hmm. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll see what I can do. Just like, wind and... plummet what? <laughs> to yeah, his death? <laughs> it doesn't really make a change. So, um, yeah, I, I could turn you into a large dragon. See, again, this is a way cooler stupid idea than what I had because I was going to, like, well, put I mean, a whole bunch of pitons in here and, like, anchor myself. And then I was going to have Winter, like, shoot an arrow down to, I don't know, and then zip line down. But this sounds way cooler. Yeah, I like. Fox like no, better. no ziplining sounds cooler, <laughs> but I, I kind of feel like if you're a dragon spot, oh, like hey. you were before, we could get further into oh, the no. fields, maybe save some time. I got, I got oh, a better one. That's a better idea than my ziplining idea. Like, I got I, an, I, I didn't go crazy enough. I gained an extra level, so I could actually turn you into a rock. Not, not the, not that, and pointing oh. at like a boulder. But like yeah, you our buddy, the guardian of the, yeah. of the Sawtooth clan. I, I could turn you into that thing. You can turn me into a Mr. Dwayne Johnson. All right. I mean, <laughs> as long as you do the eyebrow. <laughs> so, 
we gained a level, so that means I got another 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 challenge rating of monster that I can use. <laughs> Sweet. So, as a cat person, I feel morally just repulsed by the idea of being turned into a gigantic bird. So, drag him all the way. But we rode the rock. There. Okay, <laughs> fine. You know what? You know what? Being turned into a bird. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll do you one better. Um, uh, Xanth, you, you want to do the honors on this one? He doesn't want to be a bird. Cool. That's fine. Like that's half cat. That's I fine. mean, a rock would definitely be big enough to easily get all of you on its back. Yeah, we flew on the rock last time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say, and I think you're the heaviest one, aren't you, Xanth? You're like you have the heaviest armor, I think. I'm. I might be. I the the only like I'm the only thing is I'm a spellcaster, so I won't be able to cast spells as a rock. Yeah, uh, but I mean, if something if, happens. But I'm happy to be the rock. If, well, you ride your uh, back, like we're you know, Puck. Like I just rolled really good for Puck's uh, nature check. Um, what um, a rock has feathers though, right? Uh huh. He watches. She holds out her hand as a piece of burnt ember kind of lands in her hand, and she those catch on fire. Oh, I get. I'm just saying, a dragon, a certain kind of dragon, won't catch on fire. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, the dragon's just worried about you know (laughs) something. Well, I mean, what's the biggest dragon you can summon or turns? And you're right. I don't know if Spot's a good candidate for this. It's just a young dragon. The young one. How, yeah. big, how big are young dragons? Large. Hmm. That couldn't carry all of us then, could it? Right. I mean, I could still fly. I could still fly. Uh, let's see. I got a sphinx. I've got a gin. A genie. Can I, cast, can I cast find the path, which will show us like the most direct path to our destination? Yeah, go for it. Okay. It. Yeah, you like you, you use your divine kind of focus, and the divinity of the magic gets consumed. I just and imagine you flick your helmet, you know. Yeah, just, come on, ding. you know, just like a like the a dinner bell, like a dinner bell of sorts, and the kind of like striations of energy that form in your mind. There is no clear path, um, which gives you the feeling that this is. Maybe the first time this area has ever been set upon by foot. This, it would reveal one unique thing to you because of the way um, direct path works. You get the feeling at some point, this whole thing was a volcano. At some point, what you're staring at is the collapsed kind of like volcano that previously exploded and probably formed the island in its past. And what you're seeing out in the middle of this giant caldera is the kind of reemergence of of a volcano that's coming into existence that's been in existence for a while, for quite a long time. But this all feels bigger than it, than what it looks like now. Like at some point in its past, it must have been a massive volcano that erupted and then collapsed in on itself and kind of created over vast amounts of time, the jungle, the bays, the coral reefs, the you know, this kind of feeling that hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years of evolution of this space culminating into this. And you get the f- feeling for the first time, looking down as you watch hundreds of 
tendrils of arcane energy or divine energy kind of bounce back at you, that there is no clear path. No one's ever stood here and pondered that before. This is looking down into just an unknown area. It should show me the shortest, most direct physical route and tell me how far we are and what direction our destination lies. Is it able to do that? No. Once again, that feeling like that barrier, that notion of secrecy, that notion of shadow, that notion that something is always pushing back at any time that divine energy tries to push in. It's shimmer. So it's not that it doesn't reveal anything. It almost like purposely reveals too much. Like it's almost like this just cacophony of information in your mind that makes it almost unreadable. Hey, uh, if I was, if I was to turn one of you guys into a silver dragon and uh, we could use some uh, glacial goodness and blast us uh, a cold path a direction to go at least once we got down there and like puck is pouring with sweat from the heat up here how do we control cold up here then what how does that it's a dragon right dragons are crazy dragons are subject to the elements like the rest of us aren't they yeah less than the rest of us i think subject but you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to turn you into a treant or something, you know. <laughs> As you guys are having this conversation, trying to figure out what to do next, there's an arc of red flame coming up out of the edge, and it lands about 100 feet short of where you're standing. Well, I don't you like see that. this large, lumbering figure a huge, like, flaming broadsword across its shoulder. Stands maybe 40, 50 feet tall with this blackened armor, these hellish eyes as this fire giant emerges out from down below and begins to pull itself up the ridgeline. It looks up to see the five of you as its grin, just this smile, just peels into this maniacal grin. And you can hear this laugh echo off the ridgeline. <laughs> it's pulling itself up towards No, you. no, 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 no. That's where we're going to finish don't tonight. Don't like that. Don't like that. if it means we can avoid that. So that's where we're going to finish tonight. How is everybody looking for next Sunday? Are we good? All good. No immediate signs of travel? Uh, I have a funny feeling that when we were chatting with Tally last week i think she mentioned she was gonna be off today but um i don't know i haven't heard back from her so if you guys hear from her let me know yep um other than that everybody who's come out tonight thank you for hanging out with us we're in the thick of it now as we're about to go down into the underlay and deal with those things that exist down there as we get deeper and deeper into the secret of this prison what they're looking for, and who is this mysterious dragon? I wonder. I ponder. Are they even a dragon at all? So, everyone be kind, be safe. Don't forget to play a game. It's good for you. I promise you'll have fun. You guys go ahead and linger. We'll talk about schedules and all the fun stuff. Good night, everybody! Good night.